0: Welcome back to the Long Play Listening Party, the show where we go deep on local music and all kinds of other stuff. I'm Howie Howard from Mr. Furious Records. Pleased to have a crew of veterans in the house tonight, starting with Daniel Daniel Glasscock. What's going on, Daniel? Hi,
1: how you doing?
0: Haven't been talking
1: to you for 15 minutes.
0: Right, well, (laughs) we'll we'll talk about it some more in a second. Uh, Joel Bonner, welcome back to the show. Yo. Serene Fiends. Uh, who recently put out an EP I discovered just five minutes ago. I'll link to it in the description, but Joel's got a new EP out, so... uh Wait, what? Oh. Hell yeah. I gotta Gizzard. check that out. Absolutely, and uh Go also ahead. joining us, of course, Ebony Simon, Lefty Grove producer. Guinness, what's going on, Ebony? Not much. How it goes? It goes all right. I'm just going to straight up... uh Well, I tiny intro. This is a shameless promotion cast once again um daniel and i attempted to make a house record this year uh we failed completely but we did something else instead that we hope you enjoy and we're going to talk about it uh, but i'm just going to straight up get the uh, music going here in just a second the first track is called the royal hotness and i guess maybe to start the conversation daniel Like, what do you remember about that you came over to my house, you very generously um, offered to give me a copy, a vinyl copy of the Softcore Syndicate record you had just put out. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we just, this was like January, February, and we just spontaneously had a long conversation on my front porch that ended up with, well, let's try and make a house record.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know what the impetus for all that conversation was. It probably just arose naturally in there. But yeah, I, I brought you the record. I, I, it was kind of, uh, whenever I was putting that out, I, I mostly wanted to, like, just kind of reconnect with a few people I hadn't seen for, you know, a hot minute based on COVID. That Of course, you know, it seems so far away at this point. But it's it's still kind of we're all coming out of that, and uh, I think I've always admired your work in uh, in night mode, and uh, you know it, inspired, it informed and inspired some of the stuff that I was doing, a uh, little well, after that. It had to be after that, right? Linearly um, in time, but uh, yeah, I think house is a, a kind of a easy common ground for everybody to get on so that's probably why we were like yeah let's make a house record and I I remember
0: it I guess
1: what it was going to be beyond that
0: yeah I mean I think I think um, it it was like well let's make a record together and then it was like well what kind of record do you want to make do you want to make an ambient record do you want to this or that and I've I vaguely remember it as like kind of me being down for anything, and maybe you saying, well, house is something I've thought about, and I have not really tried to do a straight house record before. And again, we didn't end up accomplishing that, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd done a thing years and years ago that was pretty much just straight up house music with the early synthesizers I had. But I think you're talking about, like, you got the AX60. And uh, of course you'd already had the MS-20 um, You know these vintage, vintage Or vintage style synthesizers That's kind of my bag And that I've been you know Trying to work on a lot with Joel for um, Serene Fiend It's like uh, it, Back to the basics With his house music that's, that's where It just came from oh I got this Cheap thing laying around Like put a four-on-the-floor beat and let's get with it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's really all house music is. I mean, maybe work in some vocal samples and uh, but, but also house is so anything goes in terms of spirit. Like, it's so broad. House music is an underlier for so much pop music and so much modern hip-hop music. Uh, a whole bunch of really bad metal music and uh and, and and industrial music is is just really harsh house so i mean it's a one size fits all kind of kind of genre you can just jump into right
2: that was going to be one of my questions to you guys do. is how you defined house with all of this
0: i yeah, think we threw it out well, the window just... pretty early on <laughs> it was just, it was um, more than so like everything I've said up to this point is true but what I haven't said is that just the spirit of collaboration and just like working on music together for the first time and and following things wherever they lead and that certainly came first more than any genre so the genre was just kind of an excuse or a foothold into the collaboration. And I think we were clear from the beginning that it wasn't going to be a strict genre thing. It was just a way to get a grip on because like we just needed a way to start, right?
1: Well it only and I mean lucky enough I had a house track that didn't fit on any records I was putting out that just tossed right over to you and got got the ball rolling. It's it's a throb control which comes up later. Yeah,
0: that was the first one. Um, and when we get to it, I don't even hear. I don't. I'm not sure I appear on that track. I I had some arrangement ideas. I think.
1: You you helped with the arrangement. You re-inspired me to to fix some sound design stuff. And also you did vocal effects on it. So.
0: Oh yeah. So I processed some vocals. Okay. Yep. This. It,
1: Everybody plays it. This one, though, this this was the first time where I was like, "Oh, holy crap! We're we're like surpassing the uh, the initial uh, mission statement." Uh, yeah, were
0: we were. I felt like we were more than the sum of our parts right from the beginning. Like, like um, there was there was pretty instant inspiration and productivity, and we were from the get-go we were getting somewhere and, and ideas were flowing you know loving the little acid
1: line here oh yeah uh you don't <laughs> gotta crisp my arm to get a three, or three line in there <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I like to tweak those knobs you know <laughs> yeah this one's kinda... really dope I like this thank you
3: thank, thank you. you
1: yeah they're... Of course, you know, most of my techno understanding comes mostly from Apex Plan. But of course, you know, people like Squarepusher, you know.
3: That was, or, that or was like, one of the uh, questions I was going to ask. Like, is Apex kind of the base layer on, how and on, you believe it for you as, as like a fan? Oh, totally. Or was that like kind of the influence that you used like, on some of these?
1: I mean, his his influence on me, at least, is so ubiquitous. I mean, it's, in, it's informed of the reason why I ever got a synthesizer in the first place. Um, and I feel like his compositional ideas, his melodic ideas, motifs, the way he works percussion into texture, into melody, like in sort of this seamless transition, uh, is so integral to like my musical language at this point that I it's like you, it's inextricable. Like you can't pull Aphex Twin out of me. Um yeah. Like his analog series, the uh the all analog stuff he did around the turn of the century that's like all pressed yeah. to vinyl and all that. That that's like my my bible of musical language and it's informed like the way I approach synthesis the things that i buy at all um and definitely the way that i feel funk like in in because of course you know like boogie and and uh and like old hard funk and stuff they they share a lot in common with house music because they sampled a lot of those records and then added in drum machines a lot of late era funk music uh what was defined by drum machines. The drum machine and the synthesizer was concurrent with the you know rise of Parliament all the way through Cameo all and and on into the house music scene of Detroit into the UK. Like this is a there's there's a connecting thread between all these these beautiful like expressions of synthesis and drum machines. And uh and I think Apex Twin is one of those people who was able to like bring all of it together for for me so it would open up a door for me to go through and step back into time thanks hey yeah pretty, pretty essential I,
3: I do uh i do specifically like regret not really getting into early 2000s house a lot more like uh I don't know if you guys were in Lawrence at the time, but they were still doing uh KJHK out of the shack up on the Hill by the stadium. And I knew a bunch of the DJs from like just being around town and I would go to house parties if they had a, a band and they would jam out and I'd be like, Hey, if you got a mic, I'll freestyle. And just kind of, you know, <laughs> going from party to party, getting my name out like that. But I was so into like, party mode because I was just moving up there I was still young I was having lots of fun never really got to do that before that like I missed out on a lot of music from that genre because I was honestly kind of spun out you know so like going back now with the experience that I have with music and how I listen to it and learn from it I I feel a, a real camaraderie with you on that because I'm like that with other genres of music so like that's a that's a very very important baseline to have and i'm really glad that you actually put that out there because i don't know much outside of like the classic stuff that everybody knows from apex twin you know come to daddy and you know uh window liquor and finger bib those are like the only three songs i really actually know oh okay, okay. but at the same but at the same time like I have enough of the base knowledge of it that I can tell the influence is there.
1: Yeah, and definitely. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's a rabbit hole, just like every other genre of music. Um, but yeah, I can't recommend like warp all those early warp records people enough. You know, like Boards of Canada and Autechre and and Squarepusher yeah, and all that, because like they 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 helped take it out of this sort of like formulaic rave music culture that had kind of developed in the 90s and turn it into like, well, you know, they call it IBM, you know, for intelligence, yeah. but but that's like kind of an elitist mentality of it. Like it's a, it's about the composition. It's not just about, you know, filling up a sound space for five hours straight. Like yeah. there there are willful and important musical decisions being made by the second uh, with that music and And it's really a good gateway to like understanding textural analysis and in, in sound design, um, you know the the kind of grit that you want from lo-fi things. like it might have just been,, oh, that sounds sick, you know on a on a it, it, I, I just mean in terms of a door of perception. Like yeah, like old hip hop music, you know, it's defined by like the S nine hundred style productions or the Akai or the that that sort of thing, where like the samples are are downgraded, um, and it adds to the vibe of the whole thing. Like what the IDM people I think were doing around the turn of the century is something that that sort of transcends what most people are doing today and and people were doing prior with electronic music which was either like body music that evolved from like cosmish uh or versus like today's just like anything goes edm like festival like who cares what's on it all sounds the same sort of thing like there's always been that but like create electronic music was an art form. It's, uh, I'd say it's as noble a pursuit as uh, you know, like classical music or, or uh, a, a great songwriter's craft, because it's, it's all about emotion and you know, it's about texture and, and uh, wrapping you up. In,
0: in Speaking know. of emotions, that that rompler piano sound just takes me over the edge every time. I love that so much.
1: Oh yeah, my Republica ripoff. Uh, ready to go for Repubblica.
0: So a quick little bit of gear talk, because I know that Nate will be interested when he listens to this. But So this track, I mean, most of what you hear on the main record is Daniel, which is which I 100% endorse, so I want to be clear about. Um, but we did start the tracks about 50-50. This started as a loop jam on my side. And obviously just blew out in a billion directions from there. And then the first track, uh, The Royal Hotness, started as a jam on my uh, monotribe, Korg Monotribe, which I've modded quite a bit for the drum, like I've modded the drum sounds. Um, but that's my gear contribution to the first two tracks. Everything else is Daniel.
1: Well, they, they were pretty essential for getting the ball rolling. I'd say. Sure, yeah. Howie Howie would just give me big marble blocks of these these tight little jams that had their own uh sound room to them it feels like like you know whenever you you got all your stuff running through like one little mixer or or one daw and it, and it all has its own sound stage. and then like to me that's that's like because that you put in next to the you know the rest of the speakers and and then i could build off of it i could carve into it i could mimic what he was doing on other machines and blend it all together and, and make sort of like this journey out of it and that those were my favorite parts of the album is is uh reappropriating his jams and and uh just taking them off in outer space if i could
3: Dude, this breakdown is ridiculous. I love it. Like, the way that fade out happens with the drums and then goes to this. And
1: we're
0: back. Yeah.
1: So. Going for some, some Pink Floyd vibes on this one. Yeah, back, but
0: totally different. I mean, live bass now and different drum sounds and synth solo and, yeah. What? Whatever genre we ended up in it's uh it's progressive x
1: mm-hmm. Dude it's works Oh yeah we like, we were we were going to call it a progresso or progressive <laughs> Electro. but it sounded <laughs> much like a pasta sauce
0: Let's <laughs> uh, what was the tagline about uh, acid makes you poop Oh yeah yeah Well, that's that's going to be our our
1: signature hashtag on this one is Acid House makes you poop. Uh, but it was something I mean, more than just just acid. It was for uh, acid house. Acid house yeah.
0: makes you poop.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> it all sounds like parts, and like you know you trip in and like like your belly's like rumbling because it's got the weird mic- gut microbiome stuff going on and, and you just got poop. <laughs> too much acid. <laughs> oh. I've been there.
3: I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) I'd buy that on a t-shirt, definitely.
1: No, we take this really seriously, guys.
2: I can tell by the song titles.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's a song title. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's gonna be
1: the, the debut track of the Darmic Beans. The House makes two.
3: <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. We'll give you credit for that one. That <laughs> off the title of the same name or album of the same title name.
0: Yeah. You know, I did, uh, Daniel. I don't remember if I told you this yet, but I did have a dream. I get a lot of ideas in my last dream before I wake up in the morning and I did um, over the weekend I like dreamed a little idea and voice momoed it to myself that will be a a Darmic Beams jam it's the first one for the next record
1: oh nice
0: very nice so it's only a voice memo right now but it exists
1: well get the ball rolling on that man I'm thinking I'm thinking Darmic Beams 2 we get some collabs with uh, you know open up the the plug gates to our friends here
0: sure i dig it
1: collab record I'm down. i mean I, i've always dreamed of having like uh all of my lawrence friends collaboration record um but it's just like wh- where do you find the time when, when's a good excuse really it's always the right time yeah and, and, the, and you need no excuse right this time is right that's right
3: yeah I do know that uh, the next time I'm in Lawrence, I plan on being up there for a few days. So if I can get any collaborations in, I'm always down to work. And that's one thing you can always guarantee out of me. If you need a verse, I'll sit into the beat. 20 minutes later, you'll have a verse. I if I'm really just into it. And I want to make sure that it's like super perfect. Because I'm weirdly like imperfectionist, but still perfectionist about it. But I'm just so used to the way that I write that, like, it doesn't take me long to get the idea
0: out. Yeah, so yeah. So it's
3: just a matter of revisioning. Like, uh, I talk about the 11 sentence paragraph as a rapper and how I use that to like write my rhymes, which is a strange way to do it. But at the same time, it's like formulaic, and then I can go inside and change the rules as much as I want. So, can can you explain that a little bit? The
1: 11 sentence paragraph
3: uh basically like like the standard version of in third or fourth grade when they teach you how to write a paragraph with like you know the right pronunciations and the right like uh punctuation and how to, like, make everything sound unique within a paragraph that you write. So, like, no sentence can start with the same word or the same letter as the sentence before it, I think. Oh, it's and a, it's almost a, a like
1: grammatical formalism.
3: Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's another way to put it. Another way I like to put it is, like, English haiku. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a haiku is 575. But, like... An 11 sentence paragraph isn't necessarily an 11 sentence paragraph. It's just a way of like compromising or conforming and like forming a precise idea with words in the English language. So it's more like just an outline to use when you're writing. So that's kind of the way that I like to write raps. Okay. Like on production. All rules are out the door though. It's a lot like yeah. this. Like sometimes I think I'm going to make a straight hip hop track. Next thing I know, I'm sitting on something that sounds like something a bluegrass band would do if they had a drummer. <laughs> you know, uh, I have also realized that like and I've, I've talked to Howie about this before, but like I've never struggled with production in terms of like making music until I try to make specific house beats. Or anything along the electronic dance music line. Like, I struggle with it because it seems easy. You know, you listen to it and you're like, "Man, I could do this." And then you try and do it, and you're like, "Why?" It's not going kind to of
1: easier, yeah.
3: Yeah, like that's that's the one thing. Like, making danceable music and not just head nod music is where I really struggle with production. So, like, if I was to do some sort of production collaboration on, like, a, a dance track, I might just contribute drums and then let the other producer handle everything else because I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm I'm strong enough at what I do to admit that I don't know what I'm doing with that because that's the hardest genre I've ever tried to make a beat for. Really? Ever. Like, I, I think, honestly, there's three tracks that I've done that way that I'm happy with. And one of them, I don't even have the original files to anymore because it was when I was just beginning to like to seriously produce regularly. And my dumbass didn't think to save all the samples that I used and all like the loops that I was using at the time. I just made the beat, threw everything out, and it was like, here's the beat. Not mixed, not mastered. I have no files for it anywhere. And it's just like, damn, I wish I could do that again. But I don't even have those programs anymore because I have advanced programs. So, mm-hmm. but I think on this next project I have coming out, this uh, instrumental album, my favorite track that I've did has anything like a dance track. It's the very last track of the album. And not to give it away or anything, but every time it comes up on my random when I'm listening to it, I forget that I made it. <laughs> but That's gotta be the a good time feeling. I, like giving yourself a stranger. It makes me feel really good. It's like, man, this is dope. And then I look at my like phone or whatever I'm listening to it on, and I'm like, oh, I, I made this. <laughs> nice. You know. And then it's like, yeah, you're on to something. But it's definitely very few and far between when it comes to like tracks that you would consider techno or house or EDM or whatever designation you want to put on it. Like mm-hmm. Those are the hardest ones for me.
1: Well, I, and I'm sure it would be hard to to impress anybody who does that type of production because evidently there's fifty sub genres of all electronic music that <sighs> all somehow are differentiated from each other in some way. You know, I go on like distro kid and and it's like I make electronic music. Yes. That's me. And then do a subgenre and it's like I've never heard of any of these subgenres. Who actually <laughs> makes these Dude, subgenres no. like whenever I tech? Whenever I say Distro
2: Kid, the first thing I put is alternative and then it's just like all the subgenres and alternative. It's like this I don't match any of these. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. I do uh I do hip hop and then alternative on my secondary and it never it just says alternative. It doesn't bring up any subgenres. <laughs> and it's like I it's an instrumental album. I wanna make it like an instrumental album, but I don't have that option. Nope. if it's the second if it's the second option, if it's the first option I can still do it but I like to let everybody know that it's hip hop first. Like, yeah so. like like if you can't find like trip hop
1: on on those subgenres, like what, why did they even bother putting subgenres? Like you'd think trip-hop is like the third most popular or something I don't know maybe I'm out of touch with to be like, <laughs> honest name. It's like you don't even have a, a subgenre for trip hop, but you've got like um Pink Alien or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know if Pink wild. Alien is an actual genre. <laughs> I don't
3: is that a group? Pink Alien? Group? Probably. If, if there's not a group named Pink Alien, we should do a collab album called Pink Alien. Oh hell yeah.
0: Maybe that's well, the Darby Beans record. Yeah, there it I,
3: is. I, I just hope we don't get sued <laughs> by
1: the the Massachusetts Pink Alien with 386 Facebook followers.
3: <laughs> Speaking of which, They're I probably found an like indie a rock hardcore metal... I found like, a, like a, a hardcore band named Lefty Grove. Oh, no oh, Philadelphia, I want to say. But it's spelled like the pitcher's nickname from the Yankees, L-E-F-T-Y.
0: So you're saying... It's the
3: whole reason that I spelled... It's the whole reason I spelled Lefty Grove, L-E-F-T-E- period g-r-o-v-e because i didn't want to have that issue come up because i knew somewhere somewhere along the line i was going to run into that issue yeah but you know i've also ran into another a rapper on the west coast he just goes by left and that's what a lot of people call me and it's just like you know i've had people go hey i thought you were playing the other night but like, no but it said left and i'm like no i'm lefty grove so do that, your weird, research. That,
0: weird little, that weird little designation saves me a lot of trouble. It's important. Makes all, makes all the difference, yeah. So I want to check in with Joel in just a second. But just to catch everybody up, we started side two. This is Don't Stop, I Want More. And uh, it was... ...throbbing from the movies. Female
1: Prisoner Scorpion 701 and these people, the female Prisoner Scorpion Prison 41 number 702 or something like that.
0: Something like that. And uh, cool. bef- before that was Throb Control, uh, which is the first track that we worked on together as part of this this whole process. But Joel, I mean, I see some head nods. I mean, like, how are you feeling? Uh, have you heard this before or, or what's going through your mind? I've listened to the whole thing like one and a half times
3: prior to this.
2: Dan said it to me Ago and I gotta listen in and then you pre it, and I kinda of back a little bit while I was at work. Listen to it. Um you know, this is I grew up not really listening to a lot of house and electronic music, though one of the most important records of my life, and I will maintain that it is a good record, no matter what anyone says. Eiffel 65's pop <laughs> is fucking awesome, and I've listened yeah. to the shit out of that record.
0: All right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a
2: kid, and that is kind of my upbringing in wheelhouse. Uh, that's more techno, techno and like Euro. I don't know if you call it like Euro House or like they call it pop The album that describes it pretty perfectly. Uh, So some of the more experimental subgenres of house and electronic music um, are really fascinating to me just because I don't have a lot of exposure to them. And even like uh, Aphex Twin, like everything I've listened to, I've found very interesting. But I haven't like sat down and like really sunk my teeth into Aphex Twin very much, despite being in a band with Daniel for almost six years.
1: You don't have Uh, to listen to me if you're in a band (laughs) with me. Sometimes it's probably better for you. Yeah, I mean,
2: you, you reference him every now and then, and you have the sense that he helped design the chord, and you use that in theme. beat. Uh, yeah, I monologue. mean... uh Uh-huh, we're monologue. Uh, one thing, I did have a question about, all of these vocal samples that are on this record, where... That, that is such a hallmark of, like, house music and techno that i'm familiar with where do these samples come from do you generate them yourself like what, what uh
1: what's uh what's the, the team okay yeah. yeah i was i was like uh interjecting it earlier but uh, the halves of this song. um on the first half of it i used the first movie in, in the, there's a series of movies called Female Prisoner Number Seven Zero One in Japan in the 70s, and uh, and it, it's like a women in prison film. It's like a, you know a female revenge fantasy sort of thing, and uh, pretty formative in the grindhouse uh, exploitation circuit. You know, I think Tarantino cribbed a lot of it for like Bill Bill things like that, um, but. The first half of the song samples the first movie you know Prisoner 701 and and it's literally transit it's like a, a sexy women in prison scene where they're you know being sexy with each other uh, and uh, and then the 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 witch singing there on the second half of the song that's that's from the the sequel to it I mean there's se- there's like seven movies in the franchise, but um, those two. I'd always wanted to work the first song, the first song section, in into a into a piece, and it just worked out perfectly with with Howie's bass line, and uh, and he was doing like a throbbing gristle type thing in answer to the throb control that we'd done earlier, because this is you know kind of like a free association conversation that we're doing musically. It's like initially we conceived it like I'm gonna do this song on a certain set of gear, send it to you, you're gonna finish it on a certain set of gear and then start a new song with that same set of gear that you you finished the last one on.
0: Yeah, we the process that Nate and I used for Orbital debris.
1: Yeah, and I, that immediately fell apart for me because I've got same. way too much crap that I want to put on these tracks. but yeah, I I just knew the female prisoner uh, samples were just like spot on for that, and I only had to do a pitch correction on the second half of it by uh, a half tone. So it was just it was preordained. God just gave this to us. <laughs> in, in and you, I remember
0: world. you writing me an email about how psyched you were to use those samples finally because you'd wanted to use them for a long time. Yeah. Um, was there anything idea. else? We took from anywhere, or because uh, we made a lot of the vocal samples as well. I'm not aware of anything else that was sampled from anywhere else.
1: No, I mean like there was. I, I'd use some samples from Mars for like uh, one of the 808 so- sounds on this track. On Slack sure, Radio. yeah, those are samples from Mars that I but I'm vocal processed. samples. Y- yeah, vocal samples. We did all our own vocoder work and uh, yeah, that sort of thing. I, I was wanting to work in some. Talk box too, you know, in true Daft Punk style. But uh, I'm not very good at recording uh, talk box, unfortunately.
0: The uh, I remember. So I sang the vocal sample in this one, and I was trying to do um, like Bono in the breakdown of Disco Tech. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ah, it does kind of like a ha. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. With like a like a Hebrew H on the end. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to do. nice nice yeah i've always
2: been curious about that because like pitched vocal samples are such a hallmark of like certain subgenres of house it feels like
1: yeah well well imagine the richest european guy you know i know a lot of them he's yeah he's kind (laughs) of even tied you know h9000 or something he's like this is perfect, I'm going to run every track through this H9000, and I'm only <laughs> going to use the pitch shifter setting. I've got the guitars through the H9500, uh, pitch to fifth, and I've got the vocals pitched to fourth through the H9000, and then we'll run it all through this NIV console. And, and like you know that's the mindset they're like this sounds really cool let's run everything through it and so everything is like like one of my favorite records is saint germain's tourist um i don't know like if you if you like house music at all saint germain's tourist is you know quintessential but like there's this track on there that uh samples like albert uh lee hooker and uh uh, it takes his vocals and his guitar playing, and he's just an old blues guitarist who does like finger style, a lot of like real lazy chicken picking type stuff, beautiful lips, and just runs it all through a fourth's harmony, uh, and then chops it up and puts it over this really bump and bump and house beat and it's just perfect. It's it's like one of the finest tracks uh, in the house. You know, genre whatsoever Can't recommend it enough It's called Sure Thing Okay <laughs> so, Yeah, do a little Not homework
3: sure. here. Sounds fun Pretty sure I've heard that before But I'll definitely be- go back and check that out I'm almost so, sure, yeah so I mean, it, is, Yeah, it's one of the more popular they're, they're one of the more underrated groups That did that kind of music Especially after like You know, the boom was over they yeah. still putting out quality music so
1: after all the pop kids got tired of Fatboy Slim and uh, Moby they yes. they they checked out Pitchfork for a few months before they decided it was pretentious and moved on yes. whatever everything people listen to these days but yeah there was a sweet spot 2000s where we had like St. Germain and some good stuff man
3: yep Good stuff. That was even like the reemergence of massive attack time too, when they came yeah. out with like a hundred window and then mm-hmm. what is it, Heli- Helio Land
1: I think, Helio Heliogo Land or Hel- yeah, Helio Do- yeah Hel- Heliogoland or something. It's uh, an arch- archipelago, right?
3: Yeah. Like and it was super weird because by that time that album came out, they were down to like two members, and I don't think. One of them was like even an original member, but everybody slowly just kind of left that group, but they made probably one of their best albums after there was no one else involved. So I know 100th Window was just uh, two of them. They didn't even have the, uh, the singer with them on that one, but I think they had a guest singer on a couple of songs. But...
1: Yeah, wasn't it just down to uh, Daddy G and... and uh... 3DZ or Robert Aja. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I Banksy. The imp- every, Everybody knows him as Banksy, right? I mean, I I saw I saw a YouTube video about that how like every time they have a show, Banksy art shows up in that town. Everybody so, knows. It's an open secret. Aja <laughs> is Banksy. I think it's one of the coolest open secrets too if they just allow him to be that creative and keep doing it, if, it mm-hmm. if it's him allegedly you know allegedly of course we but don't talk I, about this in a No, a like Bank, talking about Banksy and finding out the secrets is like exposing magicians or talking about Fight Club you just shouldn't do it just enjoy <laughs> the show <laughs> so oh, uh, man, but, massive attack
0: the uh... I want to say a couple things about this one which is uh, so I played bass um, or made bass samples really like I, I recorded some bass picked the best parts and laid it out in a jam but it's definitely I took I took short clips and, and looped it um, but it's kind of you know Daniel's a bassist so I was kind of intimidated at first to play bass for Daniel but the other thing uh, so this is the song that features you gave me Daniel this uh, Digitech DigiDelay pedal Yes. And uh those. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, so I found I really love it. It's a just for whatever reason it's just a super musical delay and I love the like standard delay modes. Especially I love the long one. When you max the feedback, it doesn't oscillate. It just hold oh, it's like a loop. It just holds it in the buffer and repeats it endlessly without decaying or oscillating. It's just a perfect 100% feedback level. So I use that throughout the song. I, I played and manipulated that. So I'd, I'd play a little with the feedback, you know, like two thirds or so. And when I kind of found something I liked, I would just turn the feedback all the way up and let the loop ride for like a minute. And then I'd turn it back down and play something else. You know, and I'd just do that. This, this song is all just one guitar take. And since doing this song, I've actually ended up using that technique or that process sometimes with the digital delay, sometimes with other delays that will do it or get close in other tracks so that's become like a thing that i do now it's like make guitar yeah, layers based on that that
1: feature Very cool. is, is kind of like a like granular sound on sound yes you find it in a more like you know like in a tape echo setting or whatever which i think is like something that gets kind of lost in, in the talk about digital delays like right? they are capable of creating their own soundscape uh, if, you, if you use them right uh, I, I don't know I feel like digital delay gets a bad luck some days but I, I mean I'll, ta- I'll take a you know a lexicon did, the delay over most DAW Digital delays any old day, because I mean, there's something musical and lo-fi about those, like the digi delay. Um, I my first pedal was a DD7. Like these are incredibly musical machines if you you use their strengths.
0: For sure. Um, another one I love, and this is I think well known at this point, is the Ibanez DE7, oh, um, yeah. which not only has beautiful oscillations. Um, it doesn't do like perfect 100% feedback where it just stays, but the it gets very close to that. So you can have a long delay or short delay that is just just one tick above or below the edge of feedback. So it, it creates very beautiful, washy textures. and there's a lot of that in um, the royal hotness and you hear it more. Mm-hmm. Um, on the dub, but um, there's a layer of the monotribe that's running through the DE7, very washy at times, but then coming back in through the monotribe's gate. So it's a gated wash and it becomes just like a noise kind of element, but it's related to the synth sound.
1: Joel, were you, were you about to say something before we? I was, was going to about-
2: backtrack. Slag Dragon, just yeah, saying, sure. Um, it that's a track that could live in either of the first two Half-Life games, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. I anything <laughs> that makes me think of Half-Life, I'm, I'm all about. This this is also this fit Half-Life game well too.
3: Well, I was thinking know. that these would fit like in uh they would they would be just as. Just as home as like on Fallout 76 is the soundtrack. Or like even if you were to re-rescore hackers.
2: <laughs> like I, I get nice. a I
3: get a vibe. I get a vibe from some of that. Cause there are a couple of things when I was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing this in like a movie that's technologically advanced. And then the first thing that comes to mind is always hackers. Cause they have this kind of soundtrack, you know, or yeah. even Blade Two. But Blade Two does that thing where they like put bands with you know dance music guys like uh what was uh there was ice cube and like not fat boy slim but like ice cube and paul oakenfold oh nice those those kind of collaborations on blade 2 the soundtrack. oh that's that's like the spawn soundtrack
1: where they they do like slayer and atari teenage riot together or something and
3: like, yeah, but like, on Blade 2, they did it more hip-hop because, you know, like you a being the lead character and having more of like an underground hip-hop feel to it with dance music. Because mm-hmm. for some reason, clubbing vampires are always the ones that are getting in trouble in Blade. Never like the normal <laughs> vampires, it's always like the club vampire. <laughs> 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 so, so, there's a lot of club music, you, you know, a lot of edge. dance music. Yeah, it's like, hey, what are we doing? Partying in a meat locker? Oh my god, blood shower, vampire <laughs> Like, wow. So, I, do I wouldn't it. be it, caught dead at one of those parties. No, no, I don't think I'd ever want to party in a meat locker. I don't. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> <sighs> if someone, if someone was to invite me to like a city basement party or like a party in an abandoned meat slaughterhouse. Go ahead and just, you know, I'm not RSVP in for that one. I'm the
1: Yeah, I, I got it. I got my shows. I got to catch up to guys. I uh, got, yeah. a, got a nice full blood gullet back at home. and
3: uh, I, got, I got to return just some videotapes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> got yeah, return, I would just,
3: got
1: to return some videotapes.
3: Yeah, just use the Patrick Bateman excuse. Yeah. Where, where are you going? I have to go now. Where, where are you going? I, I have to return some videotapes. <laughs>
2: I was also going to ask, too, um, the song titles, you know, with instrumental music, especially instrumental electronic music, it could be kind of random, but song titles stick. Uh, is there any specific stories about any of them? Uh,
1: well, yeah, they, a lot of them follow kind of a thread. The first track that I'd done was Throb Control. And that was kind of done in a softcore syndicate, kind of uh, you know a mixture between the acid stuff I was doing and the softcore syndicate. And Howie took that and he he sent me a a thing called uh, Control Gristle, which turned into When Death Is On the Line. Because I after that I'd sent him this track, which was originally called The Sicilian, and.
0: Right, and so this is, prin- is uh, when death is on the line is a Princess Bride reference because of the Sicilian because yeah. never go in against the Sicilian yeah. when
1: death is on the line and I didn't catch the reference because I've seen the Princess Bride twice, so I, I just took it to mean like literally like death is a line and so like I had built the song in a way that's like to, supposed to like uh, encapsulate a person's birth to death um it, it's hard to explain whenever the, it's not playing right now uh, or you have it fresh in your head but it was meant to be like this this sort of like journey through a, a person's like youthful optimism into like being sort of lost in the middle age and then like finding solace and 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 peace around around the end of it so that's that's a story right
0: but then, yeah like absolutely I, it, I mean in general i was just playing off of whatever you sent me or just trying to do things like, I think I titled the Royal hotness and that's, I was yeah. just trying to think of like, what would a soft syndicate song be titled? <laughs> you got it. You got the
1: goods kid. It's the Royal hotness. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> and then, and then like, uh, uh, sex, confusion was originally a fantastical excursion.
0: Right. I which had- is, a I uh, I had, uh, Fantastic Voyage in my head that day.
1: Hmm. Yes, and I, I just so, sexed it up, so it was yep. a ecclesiastical confusion. So there you go. After that, but that's that's the that's all the titling
3: is. It's just goofball stuff, but it has a story. I have a question about Beyond the Black Neon. Oh yeah,
1: who yes. did the synth
3: riffs at the very end of that?
1: That's that's mostly. Just me on that one. I mean, uh, how he did. I all think the all I did was
0: the it. vocal sample and okay. some some arrangement ideas, but yeah. no others nothing else else sonically.
1: Yeah, how he definitely dope. pushed it to to be like we need to make this long. Well, first it was way too long in my mind, and I wanted it just be the meat and potatoes of the song, and then it ended up getting too much taken out, and it lost a lot of like, you know, and then. Yeah. Then he's he gave me a few pointers for like this is how we should extend this section in this section, and I and this is the last one that we wrapped up, uh, and I'm like you know I'm almost considering cutting this because it's it just doesn't have what it needs, and then uh, I w- decided to do, you know you know Prince you've heard of this artist Prince or at least he was formerly known as that, um, in his early days. Uh, whenever he wrote was, Purple
3: Haze, right?
1: Yeah, Purple Haze, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> in, his, in his early days, um, he had access to studios and stuff to do demos and stuff. And and he did a demo for, um, I can't remember, it's, it's off the For You album, but he did a demo for that that wasn't a final cut or anything. But he did the synth solo on it, but he didn't know how to play synth. Uh, he, he, he had a rough understanding, you know, he could play piano and stuff, but he, he'd never really used one. Yeah. And to get his idea across, he played the track at half speed, uh, and then did all of his showing off that, you know, is n- natural for, for Prince, like getting, getting in all of his little motifs and ideas and stuff. And then, Ooh. then whenever the track plays back at full speed, it's like this wild, awesome solo and and it's like a demo i i am sure I can look it up and and find it out later but i decided i i wanted to try that technique with that one with uh beyond the black neon and uh i I got my moog grandmother back here and uh i I tried to pretty much rip off summer madness by cooling the gang okay you no know, you know uh the you know you know boo <laughs> yeah it, it, you know that one dun, yep dun, 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 dun. um so i just ripped off that solo and then turned it into something that wove into the fabric of um the motifs of that get show up earlier in beyond the black neon and and uh and i think it turned out pretty all right i think it uh, yeah uh,
0: I'm, I'm glad i convinced it. you to uh to include it because i i always felt it was there was never a question in my mind that I wanted to include it. And I always kind of thought like, and the way the sequencing worked out, you know, we've been to all these places and we've done all this like incredibly progressive stuff and just been all over the map. And like that beyond the black neon with the vocal sample and the way the chords, you know, the first half of the song they are on the offbeat and the back half of the song, they come on the downbeat. And just like, we have earned a huge, like pop, moment I feel like and it it makes the out al- this whole album is like in one sense a journey toward this triumphant moment at the end, all this darkness and chaos and weirdness, and like being we didn't even talk about it yet, but like just being outside of like twelve tone equal tempered scales, and we arrive at just major chord downbeat, there's a vocal you can halfway understand, and I just <laughs> felt like we'd earned that. That moment, and I wanted to include it. Um, so, podcast listeners, uh, Dharmic Beams is available now at Mr. Furious Records. or any of your major streaming platforms. Um, also on Lovecraft. Bandcamp.com. Uh, we'll link to everybody's socials and band camps in the show notes and video description. Um, but we are going to take a break and then record another pod because. Uh, there's more Darmic beams coming out in a month, and um, I'll leave it nice. at that for now. Um, so, listeners, we'll see you soon. And uh, this has been Daniel, Joel, and Ebony, and I'm Hallie for the Long Play Listening Party. Later, everybody. Later.